Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And I say the word light with a little extra emphasis because we're already in the beginning of August. It's hard to imagine the beginning of August already. But because it is in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we're going to celebrate a feast day that has a lot of light to it, a lot of radiance to it. It is the feast of the transfiguration of our Lord, which is celebrated on August 6th. And also, we're amidst the time when we're preparing for another great feast, great, great feast, that is the Assumption of the Mother of God into Heaven, as it's called in the Western Church. In the Eastern Churches, we prefer to say the Dormition of the Mother of God. In other words, her falling asleep, and that implies something very theological. We're going to get to all that a little bit later. It's just that I want to tell you about this first week that's going to be happening, this first week in August, at my particular parish, because it's an example of how the Eastern liturgy and how liturgy itself can be so dynamic, so relevant. And we've talked before on this program about the domestic church. In other words, taking what happens in liturgy in the church and stretching it into our homes, into our daily lives. You see, liturgy, what happens in church, especially when it comes to the, the Byzantine liturgy, it's designed this way, it is informed by life. In other words, think of it as a the hub of a wheel and all the spokes coming into that hub. So everything comes into the hub, which is Eucharist, liturgy. And then think of starting from the hub then and emanating outward through the spokes of the wheel, you know, like an old-fashioned wagon wheel. So things can go in and out. The hub receives and the hub also then gives or transmits. And the hub is the liturgy. So life informs the liturgy. In other words, we bring life to the liturgy and the liturgy takes that life and it transforms it, it offers it back to God, which then in turn gives life back to life. <laughs> in other words, we inform life from the liturgy, and the liturgy is informed by life. So it's a very beautiful complementary in and out kind of motion, which means that liturgy, this church stuff, is very, very relevant and can be actually very, very exciting. Recently, we celebrated the feast of Elijah the prophet who went up to heaven in a fiery chariot, and he went 
whole into heaven, body and soul, because he was so holy. It's only happened to a few people, the Virgin Mary, Enoch, and the prophet Elijah. Of course, the ultimate of that is Jesus Christ, who rises up from the dead. His body and soul is, of course, intact, and he raises others with him. And that is the promise that will happen to all of us at the eschaton. Our bodies will rise up, reunite with our souls once again, and be gloriously transfigured. For those who are saved, that is, I have to make a little asterisk there, for those who are saved. For those who are not saved, unfortunately, their bodies and souls will reunite, but they will not go gloriously into heaven. They will not be glorified bodies and souls. Only those going to heaven will be glorified, as Christ's body was, as the Virgin Mary's body was as she entered heaven. So we're preparing for that, and we're preparing for that by means of penance, repentance. And we have a special focus of our time of penance leading up to the Feast of the Transfiguration, but also, more so, the Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary, her Dormition. And that focus is, of course, as you might expect and imagine and should expect, should demand from the church special prayer for the condition of the world, the situation we're in now, which seems very bleak and chaotic and sometimes hopeless and fearful, and we're anxious, and we have strife. We have all these dark, negative things, and the solutions to all these things are bigger than we are. There's no human solution, although God works through human principles, human people, human structures, but there is no purely human solution. It's not about which president we get into office or not. And if we get the best, it's only going to be a part of the solution. It'll contribute towards the solution, but we're going to have to rely on God. So we're going to pray. We pray something which is called the Paraclesis service in the Eastern churches. And we can pray this anytime, especially during times of hardship and calamity, like now we should be praying this all the time. But in particular, we pray it in the penitential days leading up to the Feast of the Dormition. The word paraclis has two different meanings. The first is consolation, and that's where we get the idea of the Holy Spirit, the sense of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit is a comforter or a paraclete, a consoler. The second meaning of this service, paraclis, is supplication or petition. And it consists of hymns of supplication to obtain consolation and courage. In other words, it's a prayer in which we're turning to the Blessed Mother as desperate, hurting people overcome with passions, our fallen passions, whether it's fear and anger, jealousy, lust, whatever it is, we're, we're not in good shape. And we're crying out to the Virgin Mary for her consolation and her intercession. This paraclet should be recited in times of temptation, discouragement, or sickness. But as I mentioned, it's most particularly prayed during the two weeks before the Dormition. Just to give an example the Paracas service has psalms, as all services do in the church, east or west. The psalms of the Bible are the, really, it's the prayer of the church. It's the prayer of the human spirit, really. Often suggest to people, as they will to you, that if you have difficulty praying or don't have a prayer book or a prayer book handy or whatever, if you have a Bible, just turn to the psalms and start praying those psalms. In fact, you can leaf through the Bible, through the psalms, and you can pick out ones that maybe speak to particularly in that moment, whatever you're feeling, you're feeling just ecstatic about the glory of God, His beauty, His creation, there's a psalm for that. You feel persecuted, you feel depressed, you feel angry, you feel like there's almost like hopelessness. It's all there. There's a psalm for every human experience. 
And what you can do is you can ideally memorize a psalm or part of a psalm, or at the very least, I find this to be very handy myself, memorize a verse or two that you know is very handy and relevant to you throughout your day-to-day experience. My favorite one is from Psalm 50. How many are your works, O Lord, and wisdom you have made them all. Because as I perceive God all the time, I can't help but respond with that proclamation, that exclamation, how many of your works are Lord and wisdom, you've made them all. Especially when I walk through our beautiful prairie, that sacramental worldview of environment that we have here at Annunciation Church. And right now, the prairie is at its apex. It's at its climax for this point of the season. It's at its absolute peak of the summertime vegetation, the indigenous vegetation of this region of the world, which is the Midwest region. In the fall, new flowers and grasses will come. And each year, the prairie cycles back and it goes through the cycles of the season. It's just magnificent. So I often find it very prayerful to walk through that prairie and to behold God. And I exclaim over and over again, how many are your works, O Lord, and wisdom you have wrought them all. But not just for the prairie, not just for nature, for God's intervention, for seeing beauty in human beings and human activities and so on, miracles, inventions. So memorize a verse or two of the Psalms at the very, very, very least. Also, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. From Psalm 50, again, that's a great one too. So, in a penitential season, we do the Paraclis service. And just to give you a couple of examples of some of the prayer of the Paraclis, we sing this. And again, this is a prayer service that is dedicated to the Mother of God for her intercession and consolation. O Virgin Mother of God, I choose you to be my protection, the shelter of my life. Direct me towards your haven, for you are the channel of all good things and the support of the faithful. O you who alone are worthy of all praise. Then after that, we sing a refrain, O most holy mother of God, save us. I beseech you, O virgin, dispel the troubles of my soul, quiet the surge of my despair. For you, O bride of God, have carried Christ, the Prince of Peace, and you alone are perfectly pure. Now, doesn't that speak to us right now? I bet you that speaks to a lot of you right now because As a priest, of course, I am here to try to offer consolation and direction to people. I hear their confessions and so on. And what I'm seeing a lot, and it's not surprising, is people who are feeling very troubled, who are feeling despair even, hopelessness, tension, anxiety, because of what's happening in and outside the church. These cosmic forces, that's what they are, cosmic forces that are pressing in on us that are raging now more in a more comprehensive and complex and and intense way than perhaps ever in history. It's like they see the destruction of God's order creation in their grasp. They see what they think is the destruction of the church in their grasp. They see apostasy in their grasp. They see fear in their grasp. They see the breakdown of marriage and family in their grasp. And now they're going for it, full steam ahead. And yeah, it's all around us. It's frightening. But remember, the one thing that God said in the Bible— His one message to us was, fear not. Fear is useless. What is needed is trust. Be not afraid. Make sure that your house is in order through things like this Paracas service, repentance, going to confession. That's another thing we do during this season of repentance. We go to confession. We clean house. We can at least stand before God knowing that we've done what is right in our lives and our immediate circle. We can help change the world, but we can ourselves actually change the world. We can contribute towards it. What we can do is change ourselves. And by that, we help others around us to change. And we do so by living this liturgical life of the church, which right now during this season of August is very rich 
with the season of the transfiguration, the feast of that, that radiant feast where Christ is gloriously transfigured on Mount Tabor, and also the feast of the Assumption, the Dormition of the Mother of God. And all that's leading up to that, these beautiful prayers, the crying for consolation, the perfect prayer, the perfect liturgical service for where we're all at right now, all of us. We cry out for consolation and intercession for the Paraqua service. We're going to talk more about this and what's happening at my church in the way of the domestic church, of stretching the liturgy, making it relevant and fun in our lives. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. Suddenly, we find ourselves in a new reality where first responders, doctors, custodial workers, nurses, police and fire personnel, stockers, dock workers, clergy, religious, and others are in the front lines to combat COVID-19. These people care for your welfare. When you meet one of these selfless people, thank them. Let kindness prevail as we at Light of the East ask you to pray for them. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And we're talking about this first week in August in my particular parish because it's really going to be alive with the liturgical calendar, the liturgical events, the feast days, the glorious feast days, first of the transfiguration of our Lord God on Mount Tabor, and then the penitential period leading up to the great feast of the Assumption or the Dormition of the Mother of God. What we're going to be doing is, as I mentioned, we're going to be praying the Palakwa service each night. We're going to start on Monday, August 3rd. We'll have a prayer. We'll also have procession. Then this whole week is going to be actually very family-oriented, going to immerse ourselves in the prayer that is necessary now, especially now the way the world is, but is also the prayer appropriate to the feast days that we're celebrating. We're going to immerse our families into that by being creative with the liturgy. We're going to have a movie night under a big tent after we have our prayer service. 
On Tuesday, we'll have another movie. And again, the Paracas service, that's the service of consolation, crying out to the Virgin Mary for her consolation, intercession, and guidance. And then on the 5th of August, that's Wednesday the 5th, at 7 p.m., we're going to have the Vigil Liturgy for the Great Feast of the Transfiguration. It'll be Vespers with Divine Liturgy. And don't forget to bring your fruit and vegetables. I'm sure you have some of that yield from your gardens already. I don't know where you're listening, but in the area where I am from, where we are here at Light of the East Studios in the Midwest region, it's been a magnificent summer, almost as if God was smiling on us, giving us a little reassurance as we're all suffering from what's going on in the world today and also what's going on in the church in many ways too, sad to say, but let's be honest. It's as if God would give us a little wink because he's allowed the most beautiful summer I can remember in many years. It's been a perfect summer really perfect. So a lot of people are having great yields in their gardens. So we bring those fruits and vegetables to our churches, the Byzantine churches, during the Feast of the Transfiguration. We bless those items. See, we bring things to the liturgy into church because, again, it's a way of connecting what's going on in liturgy, that sacramental experience, with the earth, with the world. We see everything in light of liturgy, in light of God. And that's why we bless it. See, blessing something is not giving it a certain like magical power. Blessing it is affirming the truth of that thing. Blessed fruit is the truth of fruit, especially if it comes from our garden. What could be better? Our homegrown, wonderful, pure, and probably many of you organic fruits and vegetables. And we bless it. And in that way, we proclaim that this ultimately is a gift from God. And we take it home and we eat that fruit. And believe me, whatever we bless, I have to admit, it tastes so much better because it's also connected with the liturgy, with the event of Christ's transfiguration on Mount Tabor. This is how we actually immerse ourselves in the reality of that event. See, whenever there is a liturgical event, a feast day in the church, it has a timelessness to it. It's as if it's happening right now. And we enter into that through the liturgy, and things connect with the liturgy, tangible things. So we enter into that with our bodies, physically. In other words, we taste the resurrection by biting into that great, beautiful, succulent, tasty fruit and vegetables that we grew and brought to the church to have blessed. Fruits and vegetables are also very mindful and symbolic of the transfiguration itself. Something from a tiny seed, it's amazing, a tiny seed has in it all that it's going to become when it grows to its fullness as a bush or a tree and yields fruit. It's unbelievable how all that is programmed into a little tiny seed. Some seeds are bigger than others, but some of them are so tiny. Recently, I was in the Holy Lands. Well, actually, it was back in February, and we saw a mustard tree, and we saw the seeds of a mustard tree. Remember, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it, it, the mustard seed, the size of that seed, it's like a dust particle a dust particle, and it turns into a tree. Only God could do something like that. How can that dust particle have in it, programmed in it, like a computer beyond our imagination, a hard drive beyond our imagination, programmed in there that it would become that particular tree and only that tree. And as big as it is, it is incredible. It transfigures. So that's a parallel. It makes us mindful of Jesus Christ on Mount Tabor of our life, our spiritual journey here on earth, where we're forever transfiguring, changing, developing, divinizing more and more into our more authentic self. At least we should be. That's what life on earth is supposed to be. 
so that when we come to the end of our life, and hopefully our soul enters heaven, we await then the resurrection of our bodies at the second coming, and they are reunited with our souls, and we are now completely, gloriously transfigured. Imagine, we start off from a little seed as well, a little seed from the Father, uniting with a little cell from a mother, and it becomes a tiny, tiny human being with everything, just like that mustard seed, everything already programmed into the tiny, tiny embryo. Amazing, amazing that it will become everything that God intended it to become over time as it gloriously transfigures. It's an amazing reality, the whole reality of growth and transfiguration in nature. And it was an amazing reality on Mount Tabor because the apostles saw Jesus Christ brilliantly transfigured, radiant, and knocked them right off their feet. They could hardly behold it. They're almost like blinded by it. It was so radiant. And what was radiant? What was radiant was his divinity and his humanity. They saw the destiny, the original plan for our humanity to be these brilliant, dazzling, gorgeous, beautiful, spiritualized, body, soul, spiritualized creatures called human beings. Imagine that was the original destiny that God had for us. It was that way with Adam and Eve at the beginning, but they lost it. So what we know as reality really is not the original intention. We have to work towards that now, become holy, so that we can regain that original intention and then some at the last judgment. Body and soul reunited, gloriously transfigured in heaven with God forever, the way he wanted it for be for everyone. Now, during this time of the transfiguration at my church, we're also going to do some interesting events that involve all families, adults, teens, preteens. On Saturday, we have what's called Heaven on Earth. We're going to call it a pilgrimage. It's an interactive explanation, the unfolding of the history and the meaning of our liturgy. Piece by piece, you'll go through it step by step, and you'll be able to interact with it as well. It'll be presented largely by the Byzantines, spelled B-Y-Z-A-N-T-E-E-N, like teenager, the Byzantines of our parish. We'll have things for children as well. So that'll be on Saturday, August 8th. If you want to find out more about all this, you can go to our website, byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. So we'll have quite a week between the beginning with our Paraclis services, our penitential services, all the way through Saturday the 8th, which is part of the post festive of the Feast of the Transfiguration, which is on August 6th. Great feasts like that always have what we call a post-festive. In other words, the, the residue keeps going. We keep celebrating it for a few days. Just a few verses from the prayers from the Feast of the Transfiguration. Again, very magnificent. Indeed, O Lord, the mountain that had been dark with smoke today becomes honorable and holy because you stood on it. The mystery hidden from the beginning of the world becomes manifest in your transfiguration before James, Peter, and John who fell with their faces to the ground, unable as they were to bear the light of your countenance and the splendor of your clothing. A further marvel was the vision of Moses and Elijah conversing with you on your future and the voice of the Father bearing witness and saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He is the one who will convey great mercy upon the world. In the icon of the Transfiguration, very dramatic icon, beautiful icon, lots of geometric patterns and symmetry and drama to it, we see Jesus transfigured on Mount Tabor, and on each side of him, to his left and right, there appears, as you heard in the prayer here, Elijah and Moses. 
talking to them as if from heaven. Why them? Because they represent, they are the ultimate representatives of the law and the prophets. That was the time before Christ in the Bible, the law and the prophets. That's all they had then was the law and the prophets. And all that was a preparation for the coming of Christ where we would no longer need prophets because the Messiah is here and we don't live by law, except if we want to call it the law of love, of freedom in the spirit, that we do things not because it's the law. Yeah, it's part of the reason, but we do it out of love, out of a sense of reciprocal love. And this is the new era that Christ, the Messiah, inaugurates when he comes. So the law and the prophets, symbolized by Moses and Elijah on Mount Tabor, conversing with God, they were the precursor. They laid the foundation for what would be completed by Christ when he came. And then he was gloriously transfigured to give us a glimpse of who he was as God but who we were intended to be and will be as human beings. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. from around the world as it happens religious liberty immigration prayer plus daily reports from the white house capitol hill and rome get the catholic news perspective on the things that impact your life on the ewtn global catholic radio network thank you for listening next week we will return to the light of the east to learn more about annunciation byzantine catholic parish visit our website byzantinecatholic.com where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!